Welcome everyone to the uh, the new movies after midnight. Uh, we are we are uh, are are flying solo as our own entity now, uh, no longer under the gentleman prefer cinephiles umbrella, which was uh, I I doubt that there's a large fandom speculating on things, but like it was a totally like that's pretty harsh. amicable amicable to sit. Well, I doubt that like. I don't think a bunch of people are going to take to the Twitter sphere being like, oh, Movies After Midnight is on, isn't on the Gentleman for Cinephiles podcast. Oh, Gentleman for, Cin- for like, Cinephiles <laughs> is going to get cancelled. I don't, yeah, it was a totally, like, amicable thing. Um, Aaron's just restructuring that podcast, and she actually was the one who was like, you know, you should really, you should really keep Movies After Midnight going, because, like, just in case someday they make a biopic about the two of us and like someone tries to construe that into like a conflict moment which it, <laughs> that's do you ever do that like what if someone makes a biopic and speaking of biopics uh we are talking today about uh the current war and uh to talk about it i have with me the person who recommended uh we cover the current war uh nick smith howdy how are you, how are you doing i'm doing good I, yeah this is the third time now that I have watched The Current War, and I love it as much now as I did the first time. So, spoilers, I like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, uh, it knowing knowing you, I having watched it, it makes sense that you liked it, because it is a very, um, it's, I, I, I would refer to it, it's not quite a docudrama. It, but it, oh, it, it almost is. It's, I, like, yeah, but basically, it uh, it tells the story of uh, of uh, uh, Nikola Tesla, uh, Nikola Tesla, Thomas Edison, and um, Westinghouse. Uh, yeah, George Westinghouse, and um, the kind of conflict for uh, um, I, I what, what is the it? current Tur- war? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the alternating indirect current the, conflict during yeah, the over, late eighteen hundreds. Yeah, over spreading electricity and everything. And yeah, I it it in some ways it kind of feels like when you would watch the History Channel and they would have like the documentary, but they would have those inserts where it's like a dramatization. It feels like someone just took those dramatization and gave them gave them like Legs. A, a Hollywood budget and yep. just made a movie out of that. Um, and many great actors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a little bit about the background of this film. It was uh, a. Um, I actually didn't look up the budget, but it was like a a big a big budget studio production in 2018, I want to say, and uh, um, and it was being produced by the Weinstein Company, and so it was it was basically scheduled to come out around the time all everything happened and people realized Harvey Weinstein was a horrible person and like everything happened and so that kind of like killed this film's momentum because like their you know their biggest backer was on trial for being awful and uh so they pulled it out of theaters after a pretty short run and they started working on this uh the current war director's cut and they got a bunch of other other people in on that um i remember i noticed uh timur become become uh, was one of the people among many others, and uh, Martin Scorsese. Um, you were saying he helped. Uh, he helped with the edit. I think he was an executive yeah. producer. Yeah, he helped uh, Rahon, the director, um, and uh, work together to allow reshoots as well uh, mm. 
in the director's cut, which came out in 2019. Yeah, so, like, a lot of people came together to, like, sort of give this movie another shot. And it's still, just because it didn't have a lot of marketing behind it, it's a film that I, I probably would not have heard of if you hadn't pointed it no. out to me. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of why it, it makes perfect discussion material for this for movies after midnight because we talk about everything that is forgotten, glossed over, and and slept on. Yeah, it was really just that unfortunate timing because I remember seeing a trailer for it. I think in like 2015, 2016, like when I was in high school, and thinking, oh, that looks interesting. You know, I like Cumberbatch. I like Nicholas Holt. Um, I didn't know Tom Holland at the time, uh, but, you know, Michael Shannon, I was down with anything with Michael Shannon. Yeah. And then, like, I never heard anything about it again, like, at all. And then in, like, 2019, a uh, good high school friend of mine, which we were both, like, massive, like, history history class buffs, which is one of the reasons that we really liked this movie. Yeah. We both saw it in theaters because we are like, I thought that movie came out, like, three years ago. <laughs> But then we saw it, and we're very, very glad that we did. I do think um, going into it, though, with that frame of mind that this is kind of a history lesson in a way. Yeah. Um, but it's an enjoyable one. Like I think that films like this should make up what historical films are. Yeah, it's More definitely... Yeah, um, that was the thing I noticed right away. Is it's a, it's a film that is very much made for history buffs because they do they they place a lot of emphasis on on places, on dates, on specific things. Like especially, uh, I made a joke at the start of the movie. It feels like a yakuza game because everyone everyone got got their little like they had like uh like they walked up to i think pt barnum was there and they wa they introduced westinghouse and he gets a little like this little title it's like george westinghouse head of yeah everything uh thomas <laughs> Edison, george westinghouse head of, head of everything <laughs> third third lieutenant of the tojo clan um yeah. but yeah and that kind of like it tells you what kind of film this is going to be where it's very much about the specifics and about the information uh it's it's about about the details just as much as it's about the actual like n character narrative that's going on because at the end of the day it is a historical drama um and it's you know the drama is just as heavy as the history there's very very few of the actual like major details of it are fictionalized for the most case uh for for the most part in most cases it sticks to the facts maybe slightly dramatized versions but at the end of the day it, it kind of does function as a history lesson yeah though they do they do still yeah they they definitely do tell a a narrative story with it but they are mm. are for the most part fixated on they they don't let the story doesn't get in the way of what actually happens like does happen sometimes with yeah with these kind Which, of movies um that's uh that kind of brings me to one of the parts i was going to mention um i'll let you get to your next point but like one of the parts i was going to mention with because it's so focused on the facts it does tend to kind of move really fast especially at the start um it's, yeah. it's churning out fact after fact pretty quickly like going from event to event and that's kind yeah. of the 
the course of the movie, it does kind of move pretty fast. Yeah, well, I noticed, like, yeah, like, it, it definitely moved a lot faster, especially at the beginning. Right Because the you have these these moments that are important, but the moments happened, like, several years apart or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they're like, this happens, and then they meet, and then all of a sudden it's several years later, and this happens, and then all of a sudden we're getting introduced to Tesla, and all of a sudden we're back with Edison. Yeah. And, like, it does, yeah, it it threw me off at first, but by the end of the film, it, it I kind of got into it. Yeah. So and I think again, like, that's knowing that going in probably helps the viewing experience. Yeah, and again, that's it's it's a movie that doesn't they're not like they made the effort to be like this is how it happened and they weren't like we're changing things so that all the important stuff happened in the space of one month because that like Yeah. Which, yeah, which I, I think is something to, like, I guess worth talking about as, a as like, from a filmmaking perspective. Because that is a challenge where you're like, this is what happened, but also, is that, go- like, does changing the way things happened in the story get across what happened better on mm-hmm. some level? Because there's, like, they... there's a lot of stories that are more interesting to read than they are to watch. So I understand why a lot of times they tend to condense these down. But a good thing this film did was it kind of avoided that as much as possible. Yeah. Well, I think the tempo helped condense it without making it feel unnatural. Yeah. Um. What else? Also, um, cin- cinematographically, um, mm-hmm. this movie—it's a very pretty movie. I don't like. Yeah. I think there were a lot of shots. I I noticed sometimes, and maybe this is just me not not getting it, but like, there are some movies where you watch and you're like, these shots are really pretty, and I don't know, like, there's not necessarily a narrative reason for this shot to look like this, but they, they just look did good it anyway. just just to look good. It's it's like just there's lots of pretty. wide shots and like big shots of these like crowded train stations and mm. cities and. It's like maybe they don't serve a specific purpose with the narrative, but they definitely look very nice. But it, yeah, it does look nice. Nobody could ever say this movie yeah. does not look really good. Which I think uh, for those we have cinematographer Chung Hoon Chung to oh, thank. Yeah, you were talking about. Yeah, Chung Hoon Chung, uh, who is a Korean uh, yeah. filmographer. He he's done some stuff like The Handmaiden, uh, mostly Korean stuff. Oh. Uh, he did the handmaiden and he did old boy 2003 yeah, the, original, the good one the good the korean original one, old boy which i still need to see i've been told that it's a kino i need to see it but he's he's pretty seasoned and after seeing his filmography in uh the current war and really liking it really liking the cinematography there uh that's even more reason for me to look forward to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which he is doing the cinematography oh, for, yeah. which that's got me even more hype, but yeah, that's for um, another time. Yeah. And he, he has collaborated with, uh, this was directed by Alfonso Gomez Rajon, um, mm. who, um, yeah, he hasn't done a lot. He did. What, what What's the other movie? It's, uh, let me see. Rajon did. There was like three names. Uh, me and Earl and the Dying me and Girl. Earl and the Dying Girl. Yeah, that was like I think his breakout kind of movie, and he is currently yeah. working on. I can't remember the name of it, but it's uh, it's a movie about Walter Cronkite covering 
Newsflash. Newsflash, yeah, and because that's another historical film, that'll be interesting to see, because he did, it seemed like he, he showed in this film that he, like, he's good at covering history in a very, Mm -hmm. I guess kinetic is another word you could use to describe this movie. Everything is very, like, even outside the pacing, like, a a lot of things are moving and happening, and it does feel kind of frantic, which makes sense for, like, how how everyone's going back and forth. So yeah, I in, guess we in could... a way, in a way that pacing makes a large degree of sense from the very yeah. start going from the uh, the Westinghouse breaks all the way up to the uh, moving machinery and stuff like that. Everything is yeah. electric, everything is moving, everything is running, it's very powered and that makes a lot of sense for the subject matter. Yeah, it's of the like movie. fast moving machinery and also just the mindset of everyone involved where they're like mm, everyone's like, we gotta go, we gotta get yeah. moving. Um so yeah, so I guess if if you're not familiar with the historical narrative, we can kinda of give a summary of that. Um mm. so yeah, we're introduced, we start kind of following uh Thomas Edison and his family. Um and I can't kind remember what exactly early... they're doing. Early in, early inventions, uh, kind of showing his first showing of the incandescent bulb working, um, is like the very first scene. Then moving mm-hmm. into like the uh, gramophone and yeah. things of that nature, making these deals with J.P. Morgan, which yeah, and uh, Tom Holland plays uh, Samuel Insull, yeah, who Insull, is uh, he's like Edison's secretary. But provides this kind of nice foil, a lot like slightly more human foil for the yeah. more cold Edison. I was saying that's that is the one thing I uh, I noticed about this movie is like like Thomas like it's starting to change because like I always grew up being told oh Thomas Edison was this inventor and like as I got older I started hearing from pretty much everyone Thomas Edison was a dick he stole everything he made he there's not one single good redeeming quality about Thomas Alva Edison but like this movie did a good job be like it didn't shy away I heard it compared to kind of how Lynn Mar- Lynn Manuel Miranda played Alexander Hamilton where it's like they portray him in a sympathetic light but they also don't shy away from the fact yeah. that he crossed the line on several mm. occasions. They show that he's human without also being apologetic for his actions and his behavior. Yeah, it's like, what he did was wrong, but nobody is... Very few human beings are evil. Yeah. And that and was I, the thing I that, I, that I really liked that about this movie, because kind of very... It could have been so easy for them to just say, hey, this is everyone take a big, fat, steamy dump on Thomas Edison, the movie, which I still would have watched and probably liked. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> the fact that they didn't do that, that they took the challenge of, all right, Edison is, one, kind of a bad guy, two, human, and one of the main characters of this film, and therefore needs to be depicted as human and needs to go through an arc. Yeah, that is very human and Cumberbatch, perfect, perfect choice for the role. Yeah, he did. Yeah, honestly, it like he kind of came from the same place that Sherlock and Stephen Strange at the start of Doctor Strange. Like, like he kind of put that same kind of characterization into him. Cumberbatch kind of has a he has he has his sights yeah. set on that kind of role because that's that, yeah. he does it really well. Yeah, that said, I think this is probably some of the best acting I've seen Tom Holland do. Mm-hmm. Real, real, like legit acting. Yeah, like it, it um, definitely showed his range. Which it's funny to 
to point out that this movie uh, was done before Spider-Man. Oh. They filmed it before before uh, Civil funny. War. Um. Yeah, because like like you said, he kind of he's kind of he's like Edison's one friend who's kind of with him throughout everything, and who kind of like like when Edison crosses the line, he he he's like his friend, but he also calls him out and is like, mm. "I always admired you not just for your genius, but for your principles." And now you're like they have a really good relationship that you see, and that again it goes back to. Edison was kind of a dick, and he did a lot of, like, objectionable things, but he was not evil, and he has this humanity in his life. And that balance um, that, that uh, Insul provides is very, very necessary, because yeah. without Insul's character, without Holland's character, um, Cumberbatch's Edison would not be nearly as relatable or human. Um, Insul keeps the character grounded both in the actual story and narratively keeps yeah. him grounded and keeps kind of shows that human element of his character. Yeah. Also, uh, something they deal with early on is, uh, the Edison's, uh, wife dying of, uh, I don't think they tumor? said what it was. It, that, I that believe it was sense. a brain tumor, something like that. Um, but they, um, um, his wife is played by, uh, Tuppence Middleton and she didn't have mm. a lot of scenes because her character dies kind of early on, but she, she did a really good job, I think, of of de like portraying like the this character who's who's at the center of a lot of things because like her condition is worsening, so she's struggling to like like she's struggling with like some mental deterioration, but also she's she still like very much cares about her husband, but she's also disappointed because he's he's very much like jacked into his work and forgets to to, to spend time with his family and like. She's dealing with all of this, and, like, in the handful of scenes you see her in, like, you really get a sense of how, like, d how sort of overwhelmed she is dealing with all of this. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was it was a really solid performance for someone who yeah. only shows up for maybe the first, like, eighth of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I would say kind of a similar thing about uh, Catherine Watterson's uh, Marguerite Westinghouse. Yeah. Who, she is a good actress, um, I think she's kind of a little underrated because I liked her a lot in Fantastic Beasts as Tina. Um, hmm. But I, I liked her even more in this, even though her role was somewhat was diminished. Same... Didn't yep, realize that was, that was the same actress. Yep. Um, even though her role yeah, there were a lot was of good per slightly diminished in this, uh, while she was there, she showed... They, they really played up the fact that Margaret Westinghouse was a partner with her husband in the company, um, yeah. and that she was a very smart woman. What is? And they displayed line, that. There's like a line where he, um, what was it? Um, he was asking her about like the speed of sound. Uh, no, there's like another Quizzing line where they're stuff. like, they're like, "Are you sure you want to do this? What would your wife say?" And he's oh, yeah. like, "She's like, she's the one who gave me the idea." Mm -hmm. Yeah, when they were thinking about when he was thinking about uh, stealing the. Uh, the letters that Edison was making advising the creation yeah. of the electric chair. He's like, oh, what would your wife think? Ah, she's the one who put me up to it. Yeah, so that's that's kind of... We're introduced to Edison and we go through all this stuff. And at the same time, we're introduced to Westinghouse, mm. who basically he realizes that um, direct current like has the potential to reach places that alternating current couldn't. Is that 
Other way around. Okay. Yeah. Alternating, Alternating current. could reach places direct current yeah. couldn't. And, and that while, uh, while direct current would require many more, like, power stations all over that he kind of realizes, you know, alternating current could make the distance and therefore save people money and decides to seize that business opportunity. Yeah, he's yeah he basically gets into it for business reasons, and then the, the competition between the two kind of, like, slowly, slowly kind of drums up, and it, it, it like... Uh... It does, like, you do get that, that thing where for Westinghouse, this is just a business thing. but And for Edison, he takes it very personally. Because they, I, I like that, because I think a lot of people with the idea that Edison kind of took, like, took advantage of a lot of other people to get where he was, that he was some greedy industrialist. And the way this movie is like, for Edison, it was, it's not, at least in this movie, it's not about the money. It's about, it's about the glory more than anything. And so he takes it very personally that that like uh, when Westinghouse starts starts competing with him for 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 bids and everything, and that kind of uh, eventually um, I'm skipping over a little bit here, but eventually uh, yeah uh, Edison has this idea where he's like or um, where he's like they they start his whole thing is. He realizes the one the one sort of thing he can leverage against Westinghouse is by cr feeding into this idea that uh, alternating current is more dangerous and less safe, mm. and so he starts he starts going around where he's like, "See, this is an alternating current current machine, and I can shock this horse and it'll die." Yeah, because um, that's how electricity best, works. But the you best know, parts like, about that is that's real. Like that wasn't yeah, fictionalized. Yeah, that was an actual that, thing that happened. It's this um, smear campaign against Westinghouse because he's so he, passionate about it. Um, and I can't remember the the actual person's name, but the actor that plays him was he was both in the Mummy Returns as one of the three thieves, and he was the uh, grave digger in uh, Van Helsing, I think. But that he, was uh, uh, Southwick Brown, the human rights advocate. He uh, he go he approaches Edison and he's like, you know, electrocution seems like it would be way more humane uh, to use to kill prisoners, as opposed to hanging. And Edison's like, no, nothing I make is, I can't remember how he said. I'll he's never like, make him want... never make a device that'll take a human life, which yeah. was a kind of continuation from the beginning when the military wanted to offer him yeah. a contract to make some kind of weapon, and he turned it down because. Yeah. He doesn't want his name associated with anything that kills someone. Yeah, and um, but eventually he goes back to that guy and is like, "I'll tell you how to do this as long as you tell everyone that it's a Westinghouse current that's killing this guy." Because he's like, "I'll defame I, him." Yeah, and then eventually West uh, and he's like, "Burn this correspondence. I don't want my name tied to it." And the guy's like. I'm not going to burn a letter that was sent to me by Thomas Edison. This is nuts. And mm. so eventually those um, Westinghouse finds those letters and kind of uses them against Edison. And it kind of, like... That's kind of... If there's a narrative theme in this film, I think that's really what it is, is what what competition and stuff kind of pushes, pushes people towards. Because I don't think, like, you start with... I don't think either of them have, like, really ill intentions and, like, things kind of get ugly as um uh something i've been talking about um in in life really is uh uh what is it 
most bad things that people do to each other, I feel like you could trace back to some kind of, like, fear or insecurity of losing something. And I think that's really that's really kind of how the how things work in this film, where like neither of them have bad intentions, but Edison lets that in, not even insecurity, but like they they talk about how they they very he's much defensive. emphasize he's territorial. Yeah, yeah Edison wants to. Uh, I think Westinghouse even has a line where he's like, Edison wants to be remembered. He's terrified of being forgotten, and all I care about is leaving behind a legacy. And, Which is and, uh, very intentional because that's what that's, happened. Yeah, you don't you don't get Westinghouse being talked about in history classes. Yeah, at least not Which me is, that again, I do. Yeah, which is again why this this movie is kind of important because it. Yeah. Um, but but you you definitely get that where like Edison's pro- didn't have terrible intentions, but he let that that kind of insecurity and that defensiveness turn it like turn him down a, a road that that got worse and worse. And then in the middle of this, we're slowly introduced. I thought Tesla was going to be like a major character and he was he was kind of more of a side character. Yeah, he was kind of the, the tertiary character being kind of tossed between Edison and Westinghouse. Um, the movie was certainly not about Tesla. Yeah, which Although ironically... Tesla's like ironically like even from what you get in this film that kind of is is fitting for how like like it seems like tesla was this guy who was like had all this knowledge behind him and nobody took him seriously Mm -hmm. that for the most part he kind of just hung kind of behind the scenes for a lot of it what's not achieve the same kind of fame glory or money (laughs) there's one of those money one of those oof lines was he's uh um when because they established Tesla worked for Edison then he leaves and then he tries to start his own company and uh this the uh, the guy who's kind of backing him is is like you're not you're not doing what I told you so I'm firing you and he's like no we can do this this and this and he's like oh you're just an immigrant what do you know and that's that's like one of those major oof lines that sort of. Because that's how you, Tesla you apply, was treated. Yeah. That's exactly. And it's you can accurate. apply that to a lot today, but like it is, yeah. He was he was not an American, so everyone was like, "What could he know?" Yeah, and that's really unfortunate. Because like, um, and like it's it's not they they actually touched on it in this movie a little, but like like he had that idea for like wireless electricity and stuff, and like. Like he like Tesla had these ins- like crazy ideas that he probably could have made work if he would have had backing, but nobody wanted to back him because he was the crazy Serbian guy. Um, and they do they definitely do a good job of depicting that, I think. Yeah. And, and while go, uh, uh, while Tesla's while Tesla's role is again more connective fiber than like the actual meat of the story uh where he is is good important and is well done nicholas holt did a very good job as tesla one of the better depictions of tesla i have seen um slightly better than david bowie (laughs) just a little forgot about that (laughs) man tesla tesla has really not been depicted in movies a whole lot and where he has been depicted it's not been very accurate so while te- um Holt's was tesla on, uh... was decent it, w- it was pretty good and a whole lot better than what we've seen before in other films 
Yeah. Also, we were talking before the podcast about how Nicholas Holt is another actor that's really good and kind of slept on. Criminally slept on. Holt is good in everything. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we've talked about him before, but uh, Michael Shannon as uh, George Westinghouse. Um, Shannon he's kind of, is great. Yeah, if there's a protagonist in this movie, I feel like it's kind of Westinghouse. Well, I, I mean, again, like, Edison is kind of as much, like, there's not really an antagonist. No, it's but, about like, the dichotomy between Westinghouse and Edison, but it's yeah, just a little bit more kind towards of come Ed- out. Westinghouse. He's not Thomas he Edison, so he looks like a slightly better I mean, person. In the in, in the end, Westinghouse was the winner, so yeah. it's just a hair more about him. Yeah, and, and Michael get... Shannon was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, where he gets, yeah, he he very much comes across as kind of a very like no nonsense kind of person, mm-hmm. and I I think that's kind of the difference because they like when they establish uh, Westinghouse's like war service. There's this like flashback scene they keep going back to, which honestly it it feels like it would have been like a character introduction in like a, a like if you just stuck that scene into the Hateful Eight and had was Westinghouse no uh, or Westinghouse. <laughs> Like, if you just stuck Michael Shannon into the Hateful Eight, that would have been a great introductory scene for him. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, this this Confederate soldier's got a gun on him, and he's like, oh, is that a... Is that a, is that a new, new model? New model army? And he's like, oh, is this... Cause, and, like, you don't get to the end of the Flash. They kind of keep revealing more of it, like, as the film goes on. He's like, oh, because they did this, this, and this, but the really interesting thing about that is that in the rain, it still doesn't uh, he's like, because this whole this whole encounter is happening during the rain, and he's explaining how the uh, new mechanism allows the hammer to not set on an empty chamber and not uh, not pose the risk of going off in your pocket, therefore allowing you to have all the cylinders loaded. And as he's saying that, as this encounter in the rain's going, the guy kind of tilts his gun up a little bit to kind of look at it, and he's like. But the most amazing part is, despite all that, doesn't change the fact that you just wet all your powder and then he just shoots him. <laughs> yeah, but they right. they keep coming back to to West. Yeah, it's a good scene. Um, but they keep scene. coming back to Westinghouse as having served and Edison as like having being this guy who's like nothing I make will have killed anyone. And I think that's the difference they illustrate. Where like they both do the same stuff, but Edison is kind of in denial, whereas Westinghouse is more of a realist and he's like i did this and that was kind of like like the the handful of things where he's like he's leveraging stuff against uh against edison or when he's suing him he he understands that what he's doing is objectionable and feels kind of bad about it whereas edison kind of justifies everything he does i think it's and interesting that's really what that, uh... the, di- the difference that they put down between the two characters and i think it's interesting that 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 the characters end up that way because at the end of it you get the sense that Edison is kind of a bad person in a lot of ways and Westinghouse isn't Westinghouse is all right but by yeah. just on paper you would think that the more passionate emotion driven inventor who's not driven by money but instead just wants to be important going up against the more business opportunity guy who has killed people before you would think that the latter would be the more cold-hearted bad guy yeah but it's actually the opposite and the way that they they balanced that with those characters was it was it was new it was just it was fresh it was different yeah 
Especially, honestly, this is probably the most sympathetic character I've seen Michael Shannon play. Usually he, I've seen, like, usually he's only played literal villains. Mm-hmm. Because like, in Knives, Knives Out, Out, Superman. Superman in, uh, I think it was Mud with Matthew McConaughey. He was a bad guy in that. Mm-hmm. He usually plays bad guys. And I, it was great to see Michael Shannon as a good guy. And I would very much like to see more Michael Shannon as a good guy. If there's probably more of it out there, one of these days I'm going to have to do like a Michael Shannon deep dive and just start <laughs> watching a bunch of, bunch of films with him in it because yeah. his great performance. Matt. That does kind of bring me to one thing I was going to say about this movie, and maybe one of the only slightly negative things, is that it had a decent script. Uh, you know, it did a lot of cool things in the story. Really good cinematography, very pretty. Uh, but the performances by these actors was probably the strongest part, what really the backbone of all of it. If yeah. you had switched any of these actors out, I feel like the movie would not have been nearly as good as it was. So yeah, I think the yeah. casting, the casting director, yeah, is as much to thank for this as oh, anything. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's that's one of those things where like it's not, it's not that it was written poorly. It's that I think that's where it gets into the they they tried to be accurate, so they weren't going to embellish things to make mm-hmm. they weren't going to add what wasn't there to make it more interesting. Yeah, they only did that twice, really, as far as I know, uh, from the research I've done. The only parts in this film that were not historical were the flashback scene with Westinghouse uh, duping that that dude into wetting his powder. As far as I can tell, that's not a real story, although Westinghouse did serve in the Civil War um, on the, for the Union. Um, and the other part being at the beginning, a part uh, towards the beginning where yeah. um, Edison has a meeting with Westinghouse. This is the very beginning before Westinghouse has even gotten into electric. He just does brakes, uh, steam brakes, air brakes for yeah. uh, for trains. Um, Edison decides that he's tired, has done enough for the day, and just blows him off, and his train keeps going and moves fast. Yeah. Um, and while that was an important part for the story of the movie, uh, it was one of the only major details that was fictional. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, like you said, I think it does sort of provide context. In some ways, it makes you like, because uh, again, it, it does. It gives Edison a moment. Like, uh, I think it's important in terms of the story that Edison doesn't blow him off because he's like, "F that guy." He blows him off because he's like, "My kids are tired and they want to go home." Mm-hmm. You understand like, why he did it. It was a it was yeah. a dick move. And I but think you understand having why he that. Did it. Yeah, I think if you cut that scene out, it would kind of change how you view the characters. So I think it is, like, yeah. It definitely works. Which is, uh, this is the director's cut, and I'm kind of interested to see what changed. Yeah, I know it was mostly editing and some reshoots was, like, most of what it was. I think, from something I was reading, I think the scene of insul um pitching after uh, after edison electric has been sold out and turned into general mm-hmm. electric and edison ousted from his own company um they have uh tom holland samuel insul 
uh, going and like pitching to investors, uh, which is also a good scene because he's done all this research and he spends all his time really selling because Edison tells him like the two kind of people. There's the kind that only think with their wallets and then there's the dreamers who want to be sold on something fantastic. And so Insoul's whole deal is um, building building up all this, this fantastical invention to sell to the dreamers. Um, the reason I brought that up is because I think parts of that scene were, were reshoots. Mm-hmm. But I like how that scene is then contrasted by immediately after he's done spending like the whole time just just selling all this fantastical invention and, and using all these fancy words, just just pouring his heart out into selling to these investors. Uh, then Westinghouse comes in after and they're like, ah, Mr. Westinghouse, please, please try to keep your uh, presentation to below f- to under 40 minutes. He's like, that won't be a problem. Uh, here's here's my bid. Uh, oh, these are your numbers. Why should we why should we invest in Westinghouse? Well, it's cheaper and it's better. Nice seeing you, and then he just leaves. Yeah, the Chad Westinghouse. Good. Yeah, that's. I was joking. <laughs> that's. This is pretty much the Chad Westinghouse versus the Virgin Edison. The movie. Much. Uh, Literally, because Edison doesn't have a wife by the end of it. Westinghouse yeah, still does. It's, yeah. Oof. Yeah. It's <laughs> horrible. But yeah. Um, she died of a brain tumor. Loser. Um. <laughs> That's what you get for hanging around Edison. Uh, yeah, um, I liked in that scene when Insult goes in, someone, um, I think it's Westinghouse's wife, is like, what? he's like, she's like, he's 12. She's 12. <laughs> it's like, yeah, is, that's my reaction I, when he first yeah, got cast. That's Spider-Man. what everyone says when they see Tom Holland. I don't know what it is. Oh. He's 12. He's older than me. Yeah, I think he's... He might be older than me. If not older than me, I think he's a think couple he's, years younger than me. I think he might be your age. Hold on. He's yeah. Uh, 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 he is younger than or older than okay. I thought he he's was. He's between he's between you and me. He was born in 96. Oh, okay. But he's a year older than me. He's basically yeah. like like two like one of my friends in my D&D group is the same age as him, which is surreal to think about. Yeah. A lot of talent in a young young actor. Yeah, no, especially like yeah, and now he's got that that like Marvel reputation, so like you can do kind of. Yep. Um, yeah, I think we've gone through all my notes that I had. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, they do. Uh, at the very end, they kind of like ha- have a moment where Edison kind of Edison and Westinghouse kind of. Not not bury the hatchet necessarily, but are like they have a mutual understanding. Yeah, kind of at the end at the World's Fair. At the very very end, they show Edison getting into the um, uh, film. What, is, what was it? I can't remember what the, specifically his invention was called, hmm. but the cinema kinos, kinetoscope or whatever. But uh, yeah, film. Yeah, filmmaking. That, motion yeah, motion goes, pictures. Yeah, and so that goes into a whole whole other chapter of history that i i know more about because i uh, because film school tells you about it um where like he uh interestingly he uh i mean he kind of kind of took i think it was the lumieres um had had like a working camera and edison kind of i think at the same time it it seemed like he took their ideas but i think it was more of a two people had the same idea at the same time in different places kind of deal 
but it was uh, those were the two like people who were making cameras, and so Edison was a really big force in the the like early days of uh, silent films. And actually, one of the reasons that uh, Hollywood ended up getting set up on the West Coast was because all the filmmakers were like, because um, uh, basically they needed to escape Edison's grasp. So they were like, "We're going to go as far away from the East Coast as humanly possible." And uh, so, so Thomas Edison is directly responsible for uh, Los Angeles, California, being the city it is today. Yet another thing Which Edison is, you ruined. Know, maybe the wor- yeah, maybe the worst thing he's done. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they kind of like they don't cover that, but they do nod to it, and that's kind of where Edison's story ends. Is you see him in a theater um, watching showing... the uh, footage of Niagara Falls, which is, yeah, uh, which is a... the importance of Niagara Falls is kind of kind of poetic there because it ends the very very first shot, like the first like. 30 seconds or something of the movie are actually at the filming at Niagara Falls. So it's kind mm, of, yeah. it brought that full circle. The movie begins and ends with Niagara Falls. Uh, Niagara Falls is important because it's where Edison yeah. filmed using the uh, camera developed by William Kennedy Dickinson, by the way, who developed Edison's motion picture camera. Never gets mm. mentioned. Uh, but, um, it is also mentioned because that's where I believe um, Edison and his wife spent their honeymoon when they first got married. But like Edison spent mm-hmm. the whole time working. And it's also important because it is Niagara Falls that Tesla and Westinghouse form an agreement on that Tesla builds his yeah. motor there to harness the power of Niagara Falls to generate electricity. So yeah, it's, they did. that yeah. was kind of like the big final blow of Edison, Edison's kind of downfall and uh, Westinghouse's kind of victorious move there. So it's it's very poetic the importance of Niagara through the whole thing. Yeah. Which again is like stuff that really happens. So it's funny that like it works that way. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes reality makes such a good story that you don't have to change anything. And that's what yeah. I love about history. And that's what I love about movies like this that are able to not alter history too much. They're able to preserve the spirit of what actually happened and just kind of take the natural poetry of reality. Yeah. Which sounded way pretentious when I said it, but... You know. <laughs> hey, we're but on yeah. a film podcast. We can get away with it. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think that's the thing. Is it's Yeah, this was a very good, like, historical film that was very... It was very objective without but still still able to tell tell a good story. And yeah, like we were talking about, it is it's a it's a solid film that got because of when it came out and the unfortunate kind of circumstances it didn't get nearly the the platform that it, it should have. Which makes it the perfect candidate for this podcast. Criminally yeah. slept on. So many people were very critical of this movie. I so I haven't seen the original. We kind of talked about the difference oh, between yeah. the director's yeah, cut, which I we looked at like other people's reviews. All I know is that most reviews I've looked at, people who watched the original didn't like it. People who watched the director's cut did like it. And the rare account where I've seen where people have seen both 
Um, one of the ones I read, I can't remember from where, but a guy said, I don't know what they changed in the director's cut, but it made it a lot better. <laughs> it's something that they did made it a whole lot better. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad that the director's cut came out. I'm glad I got to see it in theaters when that came out. Yeah, And I'm glad I've been able to show it to my whole family now because it is a good movie and it's given me the excuse to watch it a total of three times with right. a good friend, with my parents, and now with my sister. So it all all works. It's a yeah. great, great film to continue watching. It's, it's, it's rare for me personally to be able to watch a movie more than once and still enjoy it and still sit through it all the way. That's yeah. just the weird thing about me. Like if I've seen a movie once, I enjoy it. It could be a great movie. I could rate it four stars or something, and then next time just never want to watch it all the way through again. Like sometimes it's just a one-time experience. This movie was not that. I feel like there's different details of it that I gain more of an appreciation of each time that I watch it. Yeah, and that's yeah. I I also have very few movies that I feel like that, and it it didn't quite do that for me. But again, I think that's this is a film that's very it's. It was still a very good movie, but I think it's a film that's very much geared towards the his- history buff. So if as a, as a history person, nerd, you're going to enjoy this movie a yeah. lot more than your average Joe. But there is still enough substance and enough artfulness to it that an average non-history buff can still enjoy it. But you're going to enjoy yeah. it a lot more if you're a history nerd. Yeah, kind of like Chef with cooking. Like Which if you're is another movie person, I really like. Yeah, if you're a normal person, it'll be a, a good movie. But if you're like into that niche, then it's like that's what I love about jam. those kind of movies is that they know their target audience, and it's it's kino for that target audience. But it's still really solid for everyone else, and that's kind of the principle of good filmmaking: is like know your target audience, but make sure that at the end of the day, you are telling a good story and not just doing fan service to a specific group of people, but you actually are making a good piece of art. And this yeah. this film did that. So yeah, I think I, I read it. We've I read it with four a... stars. Nick says, "Check it out." <laughs> As I say, I think we can just we've just come up with like seven or eight different ways to say uh, the current war was good, and you should go see it now. Current so war, I, th- I think good. that's watch it. You can watch it on Showtime. You can watch it on Hulu yeah. with Showtime. Uh, you might be able to rent it from like Vudu. Uh, I'm not sure where you, where else you can stream it. It is also available on Blu-ray. I want to say I want to say you can buy it from one of the websites. Yeah, I think it might also be on yeah, Prime. I, maybe I saw it last time I was out and about. I did see it at like Target, which okay. like I yeah I don't know if it's still like on shelves, but it did have like a a major retail release. So yeah. Not that's, too hard to get a hold that's, of. This is one of the few movies I actually want to own on physical media. I definitely need to get it, get myself a copy of that because <laughs> good one. So yeah, you got you got options. Definitely, definitely yeah. look into it. I I high key suggest it. So yeah, um, yeah, Nick. Do you want to? Is there any any place on social media you want to plug yourself? Oh yeah. I... Um. I don't know. I'm not really doing a whole lot on social media much these days. If you want to occasionally see my art, there's in Smith portraits, the letter in S M I T H portraits. Um, my personal Instagram is private because I post political rantings. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Aside from that, if you want to see me talk about movies more and just keep watching this podcast, eventually you'll see. Yeah. Me again. Yeah. Nick will be, Nick will be a regular guest on here. 
we'll we'll see who else we can we can get on here but yeah and the, um this felt like a good movie to to sort of rein in uh rein in the new movies after midnight the I'll new be putting, season yeah i'll be uh re-uploading all the old gentlemen prefer cinephiles movies after midnight's as kind of a or archival stuff but yeah um i'm still still figuring out the release schedule but yeah we got got a lot of new stuff on the horizon um yeah for me you can find me on this show on um basically i'm kind of probably going to start consolidating this podcast and my youtube stuff into one thing so it's sort of like all my reviews on one place so ev override and movies after midnight on uh pretty much everything so that's where you can find me um and yeah aside aside from that we will see you next time thank you for for joining us cheers deuces